this just so happens to be a podcast that is particularly well situated to tell you just how terrible a green fire related accident will be here on Vidra Please, a heinous trip at Warp 5. My name's Joseph. Keep hell out of your mouth. <laughs> if it's from hell, do not put it in your mouth. Don't put it in your mouth. Don't do green, it. And green flames are usually a good indication of hell. I'm your co-host, Peter. If you understood that reference, you are our friends, and we <laughs> thank you. If you don't, don't worry about it. Ask us on Discord or you're, Facebook. or You're better Facebook off chat. not knowing the story. We just Email we just, us. It's fine. We'll tell you. Yeah. Um, what, what did we review, Peter? We went into Season 3, Episode 20, The Forgotten. First aired April 28th, 2004. This is written by Chris Black and David A. Goodman. Wow, look at that. LeVar Burton. <laughs> How did he steal a good script? Uh, I, you remember Claire of uh, Fuck, Mary Kill fame uh, mm. on our show who came up with that classic FMK of Star Trek characters for us to, to consider? Uh, she described our current position within Enterprise to be the oops, all bangers part of the Enterprise canon. And she is not fucking wrong. It's been a while since we've uh, podcasted, Joe. You uh, you had a birthday go a little too long, and that's why <laughs> Reanimator came out. I was hoping we'd be able to drop that around Halloween, but uh, you know we were supposed to record it on Halloween. <laughs> and we recorded it, like, it in the spring. Christmas or, or something. I don't know. Not Halloween. So it makes sense that it would not have been released on Halloween. But I had forgotten just how good Enterprise had left off to the point where I started watching it all too often. I'll begin an episode of Enterprise and sometimes Voyager. And I just feel the life drain out of me. I was like, fuck, this is the Detroit episode. Fuck, this is, you know, some sort of Vulcan babysitter episode or whatever. I saw this thing. I was like, oh, dang, I forgot. Like, Enterprise is all fucked up. Archer just got his ass beat, but he got like let go to Paul's dealing with space crack. I hit pause immediately. I actually called my wife and I was like, hey, you want to come downstairs in the basement and watch this with me? She's like, why would I want to do that? It's enterprise. Yeah, and I'm like, it's not an irrational question. Like, why would why? But would I'm you? like, it, it's it's good. It's like really good. It's it's good enough that I might have to, like, honestly pitch her on like, hey, you should start watching this with me. And I'm willing to, like, rewatch a couple. Let, let's let's say that for a minute. If I were to try and rope my wife in or maybe mm-hmm. even, you know, you're trying to get a friend into watching Enterprise. Joe, I know you started with season three based on your buddy's recommendation, but like, when did this shit really start getting good? Like if I, if I were to try and get her in and just hook her on it. Well, there were some good, really good episodes earlier in the season. Like in in this episode, all of the continuity, there's like seven different episodes that are referenced just within this one. When you really think about it, like impulse, like regime. The, uh, the Zindi, the very first episode of the season when they infiltrate the sphere and scan within it. Obviously, uh, Azadi Prime and damage having just previously occurred directly relating to the state of the ship. The, the show is thick at this point now that it's good referencing stuff that happened earlier in the season, which is why I think you have to watch it all. Right. Like you have to just start with the last episode of season two and go, which is what I was advised to do. Well, yeah, obviously I, skip Detroit. 
Yeah, ex- well, no. Even Detroit, guy, you have to watch Detroit. Listen, that's referenced here too. Carpenter Street comes up big. You might have to watch Detroit. I might have to watch Detroit. My wife does not need to watch fucking okay. Detroit. Okay, you can just be like, the next episode should have been one where they go back in time. They file a boil <laughs> bioweapon plot. Uh, Negan was there. It's fine. It's over now. If Archer had popped the fucking uh, reptilians out of the wall in the morgue and shown it to uh degra and yeti guy and been like these guys we found them in the past hiding in detroit trying to make a bioweapon and then looked right at the camera and said we didn't air that episode because it was fucking terrible trust us we did you a favor but yeah these guys were time traveling we caught them i would have respected it (laughs) when they're showing the fucking previously on enterprise it opens with like uh you know, Enterprise getting hammered by the fucking Zindi after failing to blow up the Death Star and then the crewman getting sucked out. And you're like, oh, man, look, there's those really good special effects. Exactly what I'm saying. They're trying to get their money out of these special effect shots. These are all the good special effect shots. And then they go back to Detroit and it's that whack ass fucking jittery slow motion of like the guy in his disco reptilian suit, like dropping the fucking secret of the ooze while Archer like jumps on top of him. And I'm like, how are you going to go from the sweet ass CG of guys getting sucked into space to this awful, like all time worst slow motion gunplay? I, I firmly agree that Carpenter Street is bad, but it lends to the theory that, you know, no, knowing what happened there adds to what happens precisely here when the show is good. So is it, is it worth soldiering through? Maybe you don't watch North Star. I don't know, but you, do you really watch, have to watch The Exile, which is the one where, you know, uh, Hoshi wears our hoving? Probably not. But mm. most of it you do have to watch, in my opinion. And uh, the continuity is amazing. The plot is gripping as it's been for t- three weeks now. And boy, oh boy, does... I don't think that... Connor Trenier gets enough credit for how good an actor he has become in this show. Like people don't talk about like that. He had a really great turn his trip and he turned, he managed some really good performances. And this one is just, there's three scenes. They're all his, he commands the room and all three of them. The focus is on his drama here and he delivers every time. Why is that? He doesn't get, is he as great as Patrick Stewart in his prime? No, No. I'd say he can probably rival, if not handedly beat most of the other TNG cast members. Agreed. Um, I would say the primary culprit why he's not being recognized is because nobody would have fucking bothered to watch Enterprise because they're not stupid. Yeah, like it takes too long for it to to like really like catch up with itself and never caught an audience. I mean, that is why the show ultimately failed. But I would, I would think in retrospect, people would have more respect. Like I I still see people talk shit about trip and I'm like, what are you talking about? This dude is carrying the show right now. Maybe it's because his centerpiece scenes are always like emotional damage and vulnerability. It's not him like running the show. It's not him barking down people like, He's a very vulnerable and emotional character. I feel like there's a lot in common between primetime trip and primetime Chakotay, right? They're emotionally intelligent people. They're likable. They're good guys. 
but like they weren't having those courtroom moments where they're just fucking running the show, right? They're not, you're, you're not hearing their balls like click and clack like they're made out of brass. I do think that Chicote never had even one scene like Trip has three of in this one episode. Where he no, I'm saying, I'm emotionally saying emotionally commanding what's happening. I, I'm not saying that um, Beltran was able to hit the same emotional notes, or, but I'm saying like, conceptually these characters are close okay. uh they're they're in touch with emotions and they show it and they're not like tough guy all the time they're they're dudes dealing with shit in deep space under duress agreed uh you know trip loses a sister uh you know chakotay has his ex-girlfriend stealing neck juices it's, it's you know apples and oranges but <laughs> it's a bad time for both of them uh so, you know, maybe if Trip had had some more like, I'm going to flex my balls moments and really like run the board hard. He may have been remembered a little bit more fonder, but uh, based on what I'm seeing here now, like the dude's a solid actor. Yes, he is. And I mean, I don't want to cut too far ahead, but the scene when he first confronts Degra within like the command center might be my favorite because both the verbals and the nonverbals are perfect. It's like, it's pretty, you know, like bringing intensity into the dialogue and, and dialing that in, like that's like level one, good acting, but level two, good acting is making closing a tool chest, a statement of your character. Right. And he gets that he gets to that level in this episode where you're just like engrossed in what the fuck's going on with him. Like you just you just want to keep watching him while we're jumping around. I know it's not Jeffrey Combs. <clears throat> but Degra is a great character. He is. I, I dare say he is an amazing character. And based on what I have seen so far. Degra might be one of my all time favorite reoccurring I don't know if I'd call him an antagonist, just reoccurring characters. Uh, the guy's really moving through the different stages of relationships with the Enterprise crew in a realistic and compelling way. And even the uh, what's the arboreal? What's his name? He's, he's played by Rick Worthy. It's a shame I remember that. Jannar. Rick Worthy. You know who Rick Worthy played in uh, Voyager? I hate to break it to you, Joe. Uh, Mr. Lessing, correct? No, Joe. He's a robot sex doll. Oh, no, that's right. He was. <laughs> he was the robot sex doll. I forgot about that. He was that first. He was Lessing eventually in the Equinox episode. Remember that? One of the best. Yeah. Um, that's the one that Janeway tortured on the holodeck. Yeah. Uh, the... Uh, I agree with what you're saying with Degra. Uh, I think the, the coolest part about this episode to me is that the show does not say it doesn't have to, because it's shown you in the last two episodes that Degra and Janar already know everything that happened, right? Like they already talked to their interdimensional contact and got confirmation that she helped the reptilians make a bioweapon in the past. They like, confronted her with that. Mm -hmm. She's like, yeah, I did it. Fuck you. 
<laughs> like, so they already know that Archer is telling the truth. And the you're whole not point- my supervisor. Don't talk to me like you're my manager. I'm yeah. your manager. And so this whole episode's premise is they know what Archer is telling them is the truth. They're just trying to see if he'll tell them the truth. And therefore, can they trust him? Right? Like, and they don't explain that at any point, but that is exactly what's happening. And Gennaro's the bedowning Thomas. He's trying to get Dagger to think critically about it, but Dagger's clearly buying in of like, I've got, we've got a fucking problem. We got talked into doing something we shouldn't have done. Back to Janar. So the Saboreal costume is heavy. This guy's got like heavy prosthetics. It's covered in fucking cotton balls. He's got this upper lip tooth thing that doesn't move. It's hard to act through. (laughs) But he does it. And being the doubting Thomas and and, uh, a great foil to uh, Degra, who becomes very animated. And he kind of more has this like stoic anchoring. It's a level of guest actor antagonist, like shit going on outside of uh, the the hero ship, right? I can't tell you the last time they had like two quote unquote bad guys able just to hold down their scenes as well as Degra and Jannar are able to. So that adds so much to not only these episodes, but Enterprise as a whole, that you're just getting the complete package, right? This episode's hitting on beat every scene, and it's amazing. So, uh, you know, we open up with a a quick recap that surprisingly doesn't, like, really spoil anything, and I almost kind of appreciated it. It's very necessary at this point. Like, even someone who's been following it week in and week out, because the episodes are only on once a week, right? Like you got to think back now, literally six or seven weeks for some of the things they're referencing here. And that's where these previously on makes a lot more sense. Well, let's talk about that for a second. Cause this is what I always wanted. This is what mm-hmm. we used to fucking harp about Voyager relentlessly. on. Was that this yeah. is the last thing Voyager. You were lucky if you got one throwaway line in the average Voyager episode that in any way acknowledged any previous event in Voyager short of we got stuck in the Delta Quadrant. Now you've got something again. I can't speak to Deep Space Nine. Maybe this was this very similar to how Deep Space Nine was. Or would you say that this might even be more complicated than Deep Space Nine? Deep Space Nine is more complicated than this, ultimately, because it seasons of material ultimately starts building up and becomes essentially one serialized storyline from season four to the end. Uh, but this is certainly dipping into that world where it's like, you've got to understand what's been going on or you're going to get lost. This is the first time I've seen a previously on where again, I, I, I think it was warranted. There's been every, everyone prior to this. It's like, obviously, or did we really need to go back and show pop tart, fuck face, count Dracula, count Crotula? Like this one, like the refreshers were appreciated do you think this was scary for the production crew to be like, we are now making stuff that if someone just turned this thing on out of the blue, they're going to be so fucking lost that they might potentially turn this off. Which again, I think it's ridiculous that you would even think someone's just going to walk in at enterprise season three, episode 20. Like, I think maybe that's why it's happening, right? Like you've, they've made the tactical choice long before here that they're building a serialized storyline. that's going to build to a finale. 
So at some point you've just got to be in it. You just, if you're going to develop that concept and make use of it, you have to commit to it at a certain point. And I think they commit to it at the right point because it's uh, episode 18. That's a Zadi prime, right? And a Zadi prime is when it's just basically one multi-part storyline to the end. And the end isn't until season into season four spoiler. So that's a lot. That's a lot of material, right? And again, in 2004, video on demand isn't a thing. Nope. So you're either Napster and Pirate. There's some piracy. I remember like Which Lime they would Wire never, or whatever. Yeah. Pirate Bay was around in 2004. LimeWire is yeah. more like early 2001. Like 2002, and like 90s yeah. and shit. Um, Pirate Bay's there, but you are certainly as a as a production studio not banking on people's ability to pirate your previous material to stay uh, current. Uh, so really, maybe the fact that hey, TiVo is a thing and becoming incredibly popular, people are able to easily DVR their shit and watch at their own leisure, which you could have always done with VCR, but VCR is really out of vogue at that point. Um, digital video recorders, primarily TiVo and Maybe even, uh, I don't know if in 2004, if you had a cable company starting to distribute their own hardware with integrated DVR, I think that was still too early for that. I think it was. It didn't really happen until 2006 or seven. But that really became became the beginning of, all right, people can consume media on their own timeline. People are going to record shows that they would not have sat in front of the TV to watch previously. And now we might have more rope to play with, with an expectation that our audience knows what the fuck is going on, complicated things because they had access to actually see those episodes. Regardless, you've got a lot of shit going on here. Uh, we got Archer and the shuttle pod addressing his troops. You've got neck braces all over the fucking place. <laughs> Everyone is still beat up. Everyone is still dirty. Ship is still fucked up. And he's given a little speech. He's trying to inspire the troops. He's like, we're going to still make this mission happen. We've lost 13 people, 18 people. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is awful. We've suffered a grievous wound. The ship has endured a battering. No, it was never designed to. Um, we have to succeed, though. We cannot let these deaths be in vain. And, you know, we will do it for Earth and we'll do it for the 18 who have died. Great speech. Uh, again, I can't tell you what point Archer switched gears from being a clown to being a competent leader. Uh, it's clearly a script decision because, mm-hmm. you know, Scott Bakula is a likable guy and Scott Bakula can speak with some authority. He's not a scary authority. You know, again, when he's yelling at fucking uh, Reed and Hayes. It's like watching a Labrador retriever with a ball that wants to play with you. He's got more what I would call um, hip Christian pastor uh, authority, not like military authority, but he manages to find a a, a more stern. Uh, I don't want to call it scary either, but more militaristic way in this episode in particular in a couple spots. It's not military. I feel and you know, that, that description you gave off and that it's it's an authority that does not feel militant. That's important because Starfleet is not a military organization. This is a group of guys that were out there to explore that gets specifically called out. You know, 
hey, these are really great sensor readings for a warship, but we're not a warship. We're supposed to be a fucking exploration vessel. I'm supposed to be an ex- a scientist captain, not, you know, uh, running suicide missions here, but here we are. So he's bringing a gravity to these uh, speeches that he's giving. And it's great framing. You know, a lot of people died. This fucking sucks. Probably more of us are going to die. Uh, but if there's ever a crew that can take comfort in the fact you're on a suicide mission, it's here. Everybody's life is expendable because if all of us have to die to accomplish the mission, you save literally every single person you know and love. It sucks these guys died. We're going to keep going. We have to keep going. Perfect Uh, speech for the circumstances. And also, hey, here I was last episode where I was going off on my suicide mission to go fucking fly a bomb and blow up the Death Star. um, And that failed. But, you know, this guy has complete perceived and legitimate authority now because uh, I have already tried to not try to kill myself, but I have put my money where my mouth is and I am just as expendable as everybody else. And we got to was this is do or die. Uh, The first. So there's there's several dramatic storylines going on here. Uh, The first is that they find the remainder of the missing crew who they knew to be dead. They just had to find their bodies. Gruesome, Uh, huh? And one of them is a lady by the name of Jane Taylor. And Jane Taylor, it was a part of the engineering crew and Archer tasks uh, trip with writing the letter to her parents to dis- to disclose the nature of her demise, which she didn't want to do. But in one of several moments, Archer's not really got time for someone to tell him they don't want to do what he's telling them <laughs> and just tells them you're doing it. Shut the fuck up. Get out of here. And. He it's just kind of the beginning of uh, Archer dealing with trips and subordination. There's a lot of of Archer having patience for trips and subordination. And I think correctly, given the circumstances, like, what are you going to do, right? Like, you need Trip. Trip, you've literally cloned the man. He's that critical to you. He's your best friend. You're going to give him a million miles of rope. And you, you, they do that for him in this episode, but also, like, kind of deserved. Uh, I, I can't say I blame him for anything he does here. He doesn't want to write the letter. He he suffers emotionally through having to deal with that. Um, the next plot line that gets revealed after that is to Paul still suffering from withdrawal of all the crack rock. She was smoking for three months, not enjoying it. And uh, once again, you got Julie Blaylock, who's trying to find that spot where she can be Vulcan, but also having like an emotional crisis just under the surface. Right that she's having difficulty managing and she's doing a good job. I getting what she's doing. DePaul has been such a careful, cautious character through the first two seasons. Like, yeah, she had this emotional adventurous spirit where she's going to jazz clubs and fucking around with Vulcan Cenobites, but she has consistently been the voice of caution and reason Captain, we shouldn't F with this. Captain, we shouldn't F with that. You know, we avoid these things. We shouldn't do these things. And Archer, like, oh, fuck it, we're going to fly in there anyways. Uh, very. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Poetic or, uh, you know, ironic, deservedly ironic that 
she, despite her professional recommendations to how the captain should run the ship, decided to go smoke fucking crack rock so she could get illegal emotions and kind of flirt with disaster. And now, as a repercussion, she have may have permanently scarred her brain to the point where she will never potentially regain that um, that uh, built in physical fortification of her brain to reinforce logic. And she might have to deal with these wild ass emotions and the very dangerous responses that Vulcans have as a result uh, because of her decision to fucking smoke rock. And her being emotional kind of just below the surface over that revelation is well handled because she's not, she's not, um, you know, acting like a human would. That's not what's happening. She's acting like a Vulcan who's barely containing herself would, right? Like trying to maintain, you know, like the, the even tone that we're used to. And she's, she's having a hard time with it because this is not what she wants to be hearing. Flox has a great couple scenes in here too. The first of which is, is her, uh, is him rather cons- consoling her to say, like, you have taken the genie out of the bottle. This is the consequence. I'm you not- have fucked around. You and are finding, you are finding out. out. And mm-hmm. yeah, that sucks. This is life. You're learning a life lesson to not fuck around and, and therefore find out. And Remember all those times you cautioned uh, Archer not to get involved in developing situ- civilizations and like all the emotional weight he has had to carry as a result. Well, now it's your turn on a very personal level. Um, <clears throat> I would say if there is a miss in this episode, it is that. T'Pol continues to be emotionally vulnerable and that trip is all fucked up and they are not turning to each other for comfort in any capacity whatsoever. Uh it's a very full episode with a lot of shit going on. They there was do, though, like right at the like, here's the last scene. Like he unloads on her and she consoles him in the in a, in a way that she's capable of consoling him. I, I think it works in the end. Like it's not full embrace them weeping, but it's him turning towards what his real problem is. Breaking down, seeing to Paul is holding it together commenting like that that self-control is something that he wish he had had at the moment and then her conveying both in text and subtext that it's not quite that simple and that she actually envies him and them connecting in that moment yeah but she doesn't really expose any of her vulnerability he he's not helping her yeah in this moment and that's That's true holding that back but it's still part of the scene you know i hope it is addressed later this season at some point i would like to see them find a middle point because officially they are fuck buddies and she was kind of jerking him around and playing him and i would like there to be some genuine compassion between them from both ends and they spend the rest of the series developing the relationship together and it does like take a lot of turns and um, I think it ends in a really cool spot, but it, it is going to take like literally into the very end of season four for it to fully kind of like reach that. So prepared for a journey there. Well, you know, as long as they're not waving a magic wand and just pretending it didn't happen or Ooh, no, quite the opposite, <laughs> quite the opposite. All right. Well, I'm willing to, you know, it's worth the wait. I'm, I'm willing to put the time in on that. 
And then so lastly, got- lastly, we do have like the actual plot, which is they're racing to meet with Degra, who implanted secret instructions uh, on, uh, for them to find. And, you know, they even robbed some aliens of their warp coil, which comes up uh, to be able to do it. And ultimately do arrive at the coordinates and Degra is in fact waiting for them next to one of the spheres. I would have liked to see more because that episode ended with them robbing the, uh, the dudes that foolishly passed on transporters, right? Yes. Yeah. And they didn't really have a chance. Like nobody was happy about it going in. Uh, I could have taken a line or two of dialogue somewhere with people being like, I feel real shitty about what we did. Maybe, maybe even Reed, right? Reed kind of has a, uh, a self-annihilation impulse in this episode. And I think it would have been appreciated on my end. Reed's always trying to get himself fucking killed, though. That's like his primary character trait. Listen, I've got in here, you know, uh, Malcolm's (laughs) always wanted, you know, I've always wanted to die on the hull of the starship. Even so far back, even so far back as the uh, Romulan mine episode where I was skewered through the leg. I've known my, my fate is on the stars to be, you know, deflected at the last moment by this ridiculous notion of fucking piece of Hulk could protect me from an explosion, but him just to be like, I don't know, just out of it or just off and and some you know, come on, you still you still beating yourself up about uh, stealing that coil. Uh, I didn't sign up to be a pirate. I, I don't know something. Um, again, it doesn't hurt the episode that it's not there, but I think that should continue to be a big deal that everybody just fucking turned into space pirate archers. Real drama here is I need to convince Dagro that I'm telling him the truth. Again, we noted at the start, Dagro already knows that Archer's telling the truth. She was like, I've already confronted space time supervisor and got told to fuck off. So this is an exercise on his part where he is trying to ascertain, can I trust these people? And Archer does everything he can to generate that trust. And we get a a walkthrough of all of season three's plot lines. We here's the bioweapon. Here's the reptilians we captured in Detroit. You know, here Which time Zuck was so nice enough to leave us in possession with after we did his uh fucking light work for him. You know, here's it's- the scans we got him inside the spheres. Here's uh here's the transdimensional alien stuff that we found out, you know, and we got their ship and all of this. Here's your cellular data. Um, cell level data, not their phone records. <laughs> uh, we've got some very uh interesting text messages between these interdimensional beings and uh, Afghanistan. Our ex, our ex girlfriend. <laughs> By Afghanistan, are you talking about uh the space terrorists that want to use a starship? Yeah, well, there you go, <laughs> space Al Qaeda. Space Al Qaeda. Yeah, why doesn't the fucking interdimensional people get space allocated? Why don't they get to be a part of the fucking Zindi Council? Have some real loyal supporters there. Uh, showing and not telling. Archer taking the Arboreal, Janar, and Degra on a tour through Enterprise to show all the evidence. No security in sight, right? Uh, Degra's... Again, I, I, this guy's knocking it out of the park. 
Degra's entire world falling apart. This guy is not happy about being pulled out of his educational role within society to design a weapon of mass destruction, to design a fucking Death Star. You know, what's his face? Uh, Mads Mikkelsen in uh, Rogue One, right? This dude yeah. is... I was on a farm, not in my own fucking business. Yeah, I I did not. This is this is fucking me up. But I was able to console myself in that it was for the greater good. And here comes this fucking space monkey human that is telling me that it's all a lie. I'm now a mass murderer. And not only am I a mass murderer, an unjustified mass murderer. But I'm also a fucking clown. And the person who's put me up to space murder at a capital scale is going to stab us in the back and fill this entire area with space goo that is going to kill all of us. My world is falling apart. My kids are going to fucking die. I'm a murderer. And also my contemporaries are psychotic insects and reptiles that are fucking time traveling, to make space aids in the past in Detroit. <laughs> I mean, well, like what a lineup, right? And like, all of that is true. And in, because all of that's true, and because you've seen Degra go through this journey, suddenly when he makes the decision for Christ, when he decides, I'm decided I've made the dis- mistake and I have to fix it. And if that comes at the expense of everything, so be it. You buy it, right? Like he's got a choice at one point. Let that to- sink in. How often do you see a bad guy or a non primary cast member? in Star Trek uh, travel from A to Z in their actions and be like, this, this, this wasn't a rickety bridge. Like this is the most uh, concrete interstate highway connection possible that they've really fully explored. It's like, you know, he's talking with Jannar and Jannar's like, still like, Oh, this doesn't prove anything except for, uh, you know, that this was, you know, that, that he's got a guys and like Digger's like, dude, I feel like I'm eating fucking crazy pills. The, the, the <laughs> insanity here and you're still showing doubt. It's like Archer arguing with T'Pol about like, is time travel real? Like we went to fucking Detroit. Like it's real. Let that sink in. Like the time for action is now. None of us want to be in this position, but we're getting fucked. And you might not want to work with this Archer guy, but somehow this fucking lunatic whose dick's getting hard as the reptilians are beating him about the <laughs> kicking his ass like is a better friend than anybody else we've got. It, he's telling me the truth. And that's know, that's what the episode's about is like in yeah. the end, Degra is getting the one thing he wants more than anything else. And that is the truth. And he's making a decision based on it, which is why he's ultimately a sympathetic character. And I like Jannar calling him out, too. I'm like, listen, dude, I know you weren't happy about making the Death Star and that you've been looking for an out. But don't let this crazy story just be an easy out, which is also kind of a reasonable thing to say. Like the whole situation's fucked and it's rare in sci fi to look at extraordinary circumstances and be like, this is relatable or I can feel some sort of connect like shit's falling apart. We've all been in a situation in life where just shit, everything's going wrong. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? That's what's happening here at a grand scale. Uh, and I appreciate that the show is putting the time in to just paint that full picture. And then on the back end for Degra, and this will be part of uh, the trip thing is like trip is the visible manifestation of you are a war criminal and you are killing innocents. And now you're being confronted with it. And there's, two or three scenes where like 
trip gets real uh Too, yeah real froggy with like motherfucker you killed my sister mm-hmm. like you, you know that uh if he had uh, no one else in the room and a space pipe nearby, Degra would not be part of the equation anymore. Like, especially in the first one. The second one, I think he gets more pissed off just because the dialogue in that one is just picture perfect. But in the first one, he's like ready to take his head off because he builds into it. So talking about that real quick, because I think it deserves a uh, conversation. This is not Trip's first time seeing Degra. Degra was brought on for the gaslighting fantasy escape room LARP. That is correct. And was real chill about it, right? Oh, gee, Cap, you know, that's the guy that did it. He's not frothing at the mouth, but because of the tragedy of, of Enterprise getting its ass kicked and 18 people dying, including uh, this proxy for his sister, a lot of strips, a lot of trips, self-control has been stripped away. This isn't the same trip that was having a conversation with Shran about, like, I want your warp manifold you know, to save Earth, not to get vengeance. This is a guy that's like, there's fresh blood on the fucking ground and you might not have been responsible for this, but you're in front of me and you were responsible for my sister. And it turns out I'm way more pissed about that than I was willing to admit to myself two weeks ago. All works. All makes sense. Again, very adult respecting the audience storytelling happening here, which is just really nice to experience because I feel like so much of that is missing. Uh, After Reed almost television. dies uh, and Degra's like, I'm happy your friends all right. And he's like, what do you care about? Uh, you know, they're dead human, blah, blah, blah. And then Archer's like, dude, chill the fuck out. I'm trying to save the world here. I, the, the first one is better to me where he's like slowly like, oh, I bet, I, you know, a thousand ships like Enterprise would be necessary to blow up a planet. It's amazing what you engineered. Can I see the telemetry? Did you did you watch? Like, did you get the data in? Did you see the cities evaporate? Did you watch seven million people die? You know, like, and fucking Paul knows exactly what's happening and is, like, trying to get him to stop without, like, really trying to get him to stop. I like, thought he was hey. about to get popped on the neck. <laughs> Yeah, like, I, just like there's a second here where it's going to get uh, where we're going to have Commander, to stop There's you. a bug on your shoulder. Let me get it. Oh, he must be sleepy. Forgive him. He has narcolepsy. Uh, no, the second one where he really starts unloading and then Archer's like, let's go watch us from the bridge or whatever. Uh, Degra stops for a minute like he's going to be like, listen, I'm not happy about what's happened here. My apologies. And like he, he seems like nothing I can say right now is going to make this any better. And I might mm -hmm. actually get like in a fist fight. So I just need to get the fall through him delaying, moving through a door and mm -hmm. like looking back for just a second. That's what that communicates is he does regret what happened, but he knows he can't say that it's just going to make it worse. Right. In the first conflict, you know, he, he gets pissed. He's like informs him like, yeah, I just, you, that place you destroyed, it's called Florida. I had a sister there. You know, and, and suddenly he realizes I'm in danger. <laughs> like this man, this man might kill me. And Archer comes in, slowly like shows him out of the room, kind of just turns to Trip and says, "I think we should focus on the task at hand." And he's like, "Okay, yeah, I got it." And fucking Paul gets pissed at him after Archer leaves and says he's trying to get Dagger's trust, and that clearly upsets him again. This is this is my favorite part of the episode. I know it's super small, but it's my favorite. So he just looks at her. He looks pissed. He slams the tool shut, the toolbox shut, and just leaves. 
Like, fuck that, right? Like, fuck getting his trust. That is some fucking jabroni shit. I want to fucking kill this man. He killed my sister. But he doesn't have to say that. He just shuts the fucking toolbox, looks at her pissed off, and just leaves the room. Like, that's that's awesome, right? No dialogue. That's just actors feeling their way through what's supposed to happen there. Nailed it. And in the, in the second confrontation, it's, oh, seven million humans. You know, that was fine. But seven million and one, that's just too much for you. What a line. What a fucking, some, I don't know who wrote that one specifically, but they get the gold star. The most important part of this episode, however, comes down to uh, Trip needs a nap. He does. And he- Trip doesn't want to take a nap. And while he's telling people that he shouldn't have to take a nap, some shit goes wrong and he runs up and there's been an IED that was uh, detonated outside of combat, which is a no, no, that's a big start of fleet. You know, you don't want to waste mm. a good IEDs. No, that there's violates this, protocol. He's laying on the floor, his arms all fucking mangled. He's like, oh shit, what happens as a result of that? There's going to be a uh, hell geyser on the fucking hull. But they cut back to why that explosion happened. And we get the most important scene of the episode. The most successful Hollywood producer ever to be on <laughs> Star Trek period. That's for sure. This man, this man can't miss. He's produced only hits. At the time of April 28th, 2004, this is Mr. Nobody getting chewed out for not putting enough electrical tape around the, the solder wires or whatever the fuck's going on. He was, I mean, he was, he had been made Family Guy by now. Did he? Uh, yeah. Family Guy was started, I think, in 2002. Uh, yeah, but, but Family Guy also flopped before it got huge, so he's still a no-name. No, he's basically a nobody. I don't know what, you know, maybe he's just because he is, in fact, boys with everybody on Star Trek, as we all find out later. But yeah, Seth MacFarlane <laughs> shows up as random engineering extra guy in this episode. Uh, Ensign Mercer, we'll go ahead and call him. This is uh, how Ed Mercer got his humble start back in the uh, yield 23rd century. The first of two appearances, I'll have you know. Look at that. Getting chewed out by Trip at his most emotional saying, you did a shitty job fixing this. It blew up. Some guy got his fucking arm burned off and you better get this fucking thing fixed. And Seth MacFarlane, who is such a huge Star Trek fan that he has taken it upon himself to make good Star Trek where there was none in the year 2000. And I don't know when was uh 17 is when Orville, uh, 2017, Orville came out 2017. Yeah. Delivered us from fucking discovery uh, and, and gave us one of the most, what I felt was emotional, that guy, nobody moments possible. I mean, he really apologized for trip from the bottom of his heart while absolutely loving being in that Starfleet uniform. You can tell why you wanted to make the Orville in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like He's like, this is bullshit. These aren't Star Trek outfits. I got to make some fucking Star Trek outfits. Uh, so that explosion then puts a hell geyser on the hull. It starts small and it gets big. Uh, and just when I'm about to be like, how does nobody notice a fucking green hell mouth blowing shit all over the place? We cut to the, the scene where it's like, we got to fix it. Uh, it's going to take uh, some some fixing and Reed's like, hey, I want to die on the Hulk. Can I please go on this mission? And they're like, well, I mean, that is your fetish. We just, Archer can't like hog that space, right? <laughs> like we got to let you also indulge your Archer's fetish. Archer's like, Trip, is this going to involve anybody punching me in the head? Uh, no, Cap. All right. Yeah, you can go. 
you know, it's not exactly like a high tension thing when they do the EV suit stuff because there's just not much you can do with that. You know, you're slowly well, what you can do. around on the ship and you have to turn the handle, you know, it's all it's it really is cool that the set pieces look good with them walking on like support girders and stuff. I don't know if because I'm looking on the memory alpha, which is criminally thin. Mm-hmm. I get the rank and file episodes not having shit, but this is these are gold episodes. And the fact there's eight lines of fucking behind the scenes on it. Awful. The. uh if you look on the 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 cast photos there and background information, they've got a pretty big section of the hull that they have uh, created with the damage. So I thought at first they just finally got some good CGI to have them walk around. But maybe that was just like a wide out shot. And that was actually like real dudes walking around instead of bad CGI claymation. Uh, I mean, the the far away shots were bad CGI claymation for sure. They, I thought they looked good. They they were the best humanoid walking around CG that I've seen in Enterprise. I always grade on a curve, so I'm not saying bad in 2003 speak. I'm just, you know, I can't help but look at it through the lens of it being 2023. At the time, though, yeah, it would have been excellent. And, you know, Reed doesn't quite get his wish. <laughs> He winds up passing out from being too close to a bunch of fires in the inferno and, uh, you know, takes a few ag and has to be dragged back into the uh, the uh, the airlock at the end and and then tended to by flocks. How often this is what at least the second time that Reed has almost died in the presence of uh, the exclusive presence of trip shuttle pod one being the other one. And there might have been another time that they've, you know been uh right in the middle of the shit together as well i like and again i'm not ready to get off degra's dick just yet uh there is a very real threat to enterprise that they might blow up and die right if they mm-hmm. can't get this fucking thing they've got like six minutes to get this fixed degra stays on the bridge through the entire thing with the ship docked uh and they don't call attention and say hey listen these guys are serious because Anybody else, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'm going to go back to my ship and wait for you to fix this. And then we can redock and I'll get back on and we can pick up this conversation. He actually even offers to help himself. Like, I can give him some of my guys. We can go out there with you. Giving some of my guys is one thing, or I'm going to stay on the bridge and maybe your fucking beat the fuck up ship is going to blow up and kill me with it. Like, that's you a real one, Degra. All right. And, and, and it's again, it's all piece by piece. Degra is going to make these final decisions to invest in what he knows he has to do. Staying on the ship. Allowing Trip to yell at him twice. You know, accepting the moral guilt. Being told that the reptilians have shown up. And that the only way out of this is for him to help Enterprise take them on. Because Enterprise can't do it by themselves. And so they have that fight, right? Like they, they show up. Do they this explain is... how the reptilians find them? No. In so fact, he... Degra doesn't know how. Because at first, like, why would you bring him? And he's like, I did not. We we masked our warp signature. Like, I've been real secret squirrel about this. Because it's very illegal what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm not it's treason. To talk to you. Yeah. It's treason. And, you know, uh, the reptilian commander radios over and is like, what the fuck's going on? You didn't. Did you did you have the uh, you know, we're doing sensitive negotiations. Did you have the blessing of the council? No, motherfucker. Did you have the blessing of the council to go back in time and make space aids in Detroit? (laughs) You want to fucking talk some shit? And he's like, get your ass over here. 
you're in trouble. And then Degra's like, oh shit, what are we going to do? And they're like, we got to jump these fools. And he's like, no, that I, I can't do that. Get your like, fucking willpower tickets and get ready to quell this bitch or die. <laughs> like that is, these are our fucking options. I don't suppose you would know anything about these ships. Well, yeah, actually I reconfigured their power. I, I know right where the Achilles tendons are on these guys. <laughs> you got to help us. No. And then he flies off and he's flying up and he's like, all right, we're, we're coming in, but promise me that, you know, you're not going to hold my crew accountable. And he's like, fuck you, fuck your crew. And Degger's like, well, that's all I needed to hear feel good about murdering you lizard motherfuckers. So sneak attack. Ah. So they beat them up, disable their engines, disable their weapons. Archer is shooting up too. And they're like, Oh, well, what are we going to do? They're, they're defenseless. Like Archer's like, I don't know, man. I just fucking nuked that, uh, that outpost from orbit. My humanity's on cool down here. I don't think I got any more war crimes. Oh, too late. <laughs> sneak attack. Degra's in it to win it, as it turns out. <laughs> it's a great moment because, you know, Degra, like, calls him up right, right after and is like, no living witnesses. Like, we, we cannot ops. tell them what's going to happen. <laughs> Black ops, no survivors. They were going to run and tattle. If we're going to pull this feckin' caper off, if I'm going all in on that I believe you, then that means they can't live. And it's because he was so aghast at the idea of killing some of Zindi. You know, mm-hmm. Like, I can't do that. That's crossing the line. But what have we found? He's realized he has to, like, he bears the moral responsibility of 7 million deaths. He has to make this right. He has to prevent humanity from being destroyed. He's made that choice. And if you're making that choice, that means you got to bear a whole bunch more moral uh, weight. And that means I'm going to go ahead and kill these fucking reptilians because it's the only way I'm going to be able to do something better. Here's what I needed in that scene. Uh, thumb blown up the other Zindi ship and everybody like, what the fuck? And I need Archer to be able to look at trip and be like, see, or like, you know, now what? And like trip to be like, yeah, fine. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Tongue and she's just like, okay, fine. (laughs) Maybe, maybe it is a good, uh, maybe it was a good thing that I didn't fucking attack this guy from behind, jump off the warp engine and, uh, you know, maybe Dr. Mengele will help us kill Hitler, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like whatever. And we we end that relationship. We're firmly on solid ground, right? Like Archer and Degra have established a trusting bond. They, I also they, real quick, like when he's like showing them the fucking info and they're mm-hmm. like, all right, there's 50 seven spheres he's like 78 <laughs> mm-hmm. he's like i just wanted to see if you'd lie right like i wanted to see if you would tell me something incorrect and then gives him scans of the inside which he had never that he's never seen before which i'm kind of like where's this information coming from because last i checked like uh space terrorist al-qaeda slash fundy deleted this shit like you got some really good they were referenced that they've been, yeah, but you got like it. some really good disc recovery software. Like your password game sucks, but man, like your Norton ghost or whatever the fuck you're using <laughs> to recover this data. It's great. Somebody on the writing team does not understand how computers work, but that's fine. Uh, but yeah, Archer getting one up on the count of these spheres is nice. He's like, no, yeah, we've, we've had more time to, to study these. I wish we knew what the insides were. It's like, well, funny that we <laughs> we got a trip real early on <laughs> i i liked that archer evidently told dagger 
about like, yeah, we had you captured and I totally like erased your memories and we did LARPing. So like, uh, yes. the, the memory altercation ruse. Of course, I'm like, where's that scene at? Yeah. Like, yeah, I did that to you. Like, obviously that conversation happened and, and since we're the trust. since we're coming clean, I've put a lot of rufinol in you and also <laughs> also blood worms. Just you went through full, a whole, you went through a whole experience here. Full disclosure. And I like it. I like that he's, you know, they shake hands. You know, it's I'm going to help you do this. I'm going to delay the launch of the weapon. I'm going to help you, you know, prevent your people from dying. I'm going to try and make up for what I've done. I will meet you here in three days. Here's a secret squirrel path for you to get there. Here's some uh, power cells to try and help you guys out. Yeah. Also, um, what we're doing is incredibly important. I'm sending you to a very dangerous part of space where there are aliens that are probably going to be the plot for the next episode. But uh, I'm not going to help you. So good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you guys got to do your next step. You got you've got some more plots to do on your own. I can't be there for that one. And we end the episode really on trip again. Closing the book on both the death of his crew member that was part of the engineering team and his sister and all of the emotions he's been feeling. Again, Connor Chenier kills this scene where he's talking about this is, this has become extraordinarily difficult for him because this, this has reminded him of his sister as his proxy for his sister, as you said, and he was trying to bury the personal anger and anguish and emotion he had towards his sister's death, trying just to separate that on a clinical level to suppress it and just treating her as one of the 7 million, which now confronted with that reality and sleep deprived and facing all of this personal loss right in front of him. He is no longer capable of doing and just breaks down. And, you know, it's hard for actors to find that sort of emotional moment when you're doing these scenes, right? Like you're on a set, there's all this going on around you. It's hard enough to kind of like create that immersion. Hot, you're covered in yeah. shit. Also sets in enterprise right now look great. Like real authentic looking damage. Even the mess hall, there's like a fucking hole in the wall that people are walking through. And like, this is, I haven't seen a starship this believably fucked up. I think since timeless, when they went into the, the ruins of uh, Voyager. Yeah, the, in the iceberg, yes. And, you know, despite the fact they're in this manufactured environment, the fact that Connor Trenier is able to find an, enough of uh, a genuine emotion in the material to summon tears and really sell his emotional state is a testament to his ability and he Angeline Blaylock do an excellent job in the scene of him admitting to this emotional um comprom- this this compromised state over his sister and a need to recognize that grief and say goodbye to his sister and in doing so also be able to write the letter which he ultimately is able to do um good stuff yeah. And I would say this is a much must watch, but there's so much to this that like 
where does the must watch begin? Isn't that how we started our conversation tonight? How do exactly, you get, yeah. Like yeah, how do you get Casey to watch the show? What does she have to watch? Kind of all of it, yeah. These aren't episodes anymore. This is a uh, story arc that's coming at you weekly, and it is very welcome. And, you know, jumping back to was it Jamie, who binged, like, everything. Mm-hmm. I understand how it happens. Uh, it's difficult for me not to just fucking binge watch these things out and i'm glad i'm not binge watching them because these conversations we're able to have are very fulfilling uh, what fulfilling conversation we're we gonna have next week my friend i don't know is this e2 is this e squared e squared e squared uh season three episode 21 written by michael sussman directed by roxanne dawson Mm. Very sexy. An accident during an attempt to use a Zindi subspace quarter places Enterprise in a bizarre confrontation with itself. We've got some shades of parallax early season Voyager. Um, I'm wondering if we're going to get our what was it from parallax? Was it what was their Jean-Luc moment? Or particles and they get excited and they have their nerd girl moment. Yeah, man, there's so many ways this thing could go. Is this going to be a uh, mirror universe episode? Like, is it going to be alien doppelgangers that are somehow duplicating the ship? Is it going to be uh, telepathic alien attackers or it's a big hallucination? Lots of options here when it comes to fighting yourself. Maybe they're. Uh, over by Hyrule and they just saw the dark mirror and now they got to deal with dark link. I, I, the show is actually going to tell you in the teaser, which of those it is. Uh, but no lie. Claire's correct. We were in the oops, all bangers. This one's great. The rest of the season's great. And then we get into season four, which is again, almost all great as well. So the ride don't stop till the end. Here, oh, this my is friend. what, how many episodes are there in this season? Cause we got E2. E squared, the council countdown zero hour. So there's only 24 episodes this uh, season. How many were there in season two? 28? I know there's only uh, 22 episodes in season 26. Four. Yeah. So 26 so and 24, two less. But and then there's, man. there's two less in season four. There's 22 in season four. So they God, cut we're, it off. We're, we're getting down to the final countdown ourselves over here. We are. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us on Vija, please. We appreciate it. See you next week.